Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hall of Games, episode number 42. I am your host, Josh Gallegos, joined by the casual Jared Benson. It's been a while, but we're back. I know it's not probably not been too long for those who listen to the regular stream, but for Jared and I, it has been some time, so if things seem a little bit rusty, hopefully we can survive it regardless, and it turns out to be a good episode regardless, um, but things have changed. I'm in the middle of a crazy semester. It's October now. Last time we recorded, I guess, was August, so it's only been a couple months, but it's still been some time. And Jared's mm-hmm. whole life has been changed. He's been out in Connecticut, so um, definitely a whole new scene and a whole different set of exciting things and challenging things and so on and so forth. I guess, Jared, if you'd like to give an update on that, you totally can, because last time you were heading in that direction, now you have arrived. That's right. That is correct. We, uh, Lucy and I, upgraded from a uh, two-bedroom, plenty of storage uh, apartment in Oklahoma City to a three-bedroom next to no storage apartment in uh, Connecticut. And you'd sound, oh, that sounds like, you know, not too bad of a change, but just consider the fact that, like, if you move from two bedrooms to three bedrooms, you want to expand into that third bedroom, maybe use it as a studio or an office, which is exactly what I've done. I now have my own space. Uh, she has her space. I have mine. And then we have the master. And then, um, a, And then now we have, like, nowhere to put all of our stuff for whatever reason we just didn't think this through exactly and so we have a ton of stuff that's in like it's in closets stuffed to the ceiling not nearly as much space as we used to have so it's been a it's been a pleasure adjusting that to that additionally the couch didn't fit into the apartment so it's been it's been busier than i thought it would be to move back to connecticut but this is where my family is so returning to be near family has been wholesome and illuminating uh, in a personal sense. And so it's, it's been good overall. I'm in, I'm in high spirits, although the changes have been different and have been thought provoking for sure. So yeah, that's the update. And, uh, it's fall, man. This is the time of year. Yes. When people fall in love. It's new England. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. Yes. I would love to be in new England for the fall. Stuck in Florida for the fall is kind of depressing. Although it is nice because it's been so hot for the last, like, eight seven eight months (laughs) and now it's like finally cooling off and we got a nice good amount of cool weather from hurricane ian we were totally Mm -hmm. missed by that which i'm very grateful for because it ended up being a very intense storm but being on the other side of it we were given all kinds of cold fronts so that's been really really nice a lot of the kids at the school complaining because they're all florida kids um but i'm like yeah there was like one particular morning it was so nice and i was like i should just call in (laughs) <laughs> just yeah. sit outside it, it, and yeah. enjoy it was a little that book nice. or something yeah, yeah yeah and that doesn't happen <laughs> in florida very often um at least not until typically probably like end of october middle of november is where you start to get consistently cooler weather and even now it's it's definitely gone back to to hotter weather even though it's not summer uh summer lengths but regardless Glad to be here. Been very busy for me. Not much to update on other than that my child is two months old as of today. And um, I'm in the middle of preparing for Midsummer Night's Dream and that uh, production going on 
November, uh, I don't remember the exact dates, the week before Thanksgiving. So in the final month of that, really gearing up towards that, and then just trying to stay on top of all the other things that school has entailed, teaching English for the first time this year, which has been both a blast and a real challenge for me. So been great and having a break from the podcast has been nice but i'm gonna be honest i i miss it quite a bit and i know we prepared for it but i'm excited for this episode as well when we were talking about potentially doing when i was like yes yes like i i'll make time for it because it's something i love to do and um jared and i have kept up but uh even just sitting down and spending an hour or so chatting about games with a good friend of mine that's just that's one of my favorite things so uh let's go ahead and do that then this is the hall of games the ever-growing catalog of legendary game titles that have proven to be timeless classics each title is chosen from the bard's backlog and broken down through comprehensive evaluation we are the keepers of the hall of games the skeptic critics of each candidate and the executioners of those not deemed worthy and today's candidate is legend of zelda leaks links awakening the 2019 version will it be entered into the hall that's a fantastic question we're gonna see very curious to hear jared's reactions to this you can write in our emails askvgb at gmail.com to comment ask a question or generally scold and chastise us you can support the podcast by following us on any podcast service and by dropping us a review on apple Podcasts or spotify and of course turn on notifications to get the latest episode as soon as it drops we are very sporadic when we drop episodes um this one probably won't go up until mid-november even though we're recording in october uh but because of that we just we we schedule them based off of how many we're recording and how often and how distant they are between each other, so on and so forth. Um, last time we did Returnal, that one's not even up on free feeds yet. It should be uh, start of November, and then I think we'll have uh, this Link's Awakening episode up in the middle of November. But Returnal, good episode. I still need to put some of that together, actually. <laughs> so I'll be doing that. Uh, but before we get into our regular uh, sec- segments for today... Jared, I got a question for you. I'm in the midst of performing, uh, rehearsing, getting ready, so I just have this at the forefront of my mind. What is your favorite play? Either just from a literature perspective or from a viewer perspective, participation perspective, do you have a favorite theater production? Yeah, well, it, there's so many different ways I could answer this question. Uh, I'd have to put some conditional qualifiers on them. Um, favorite play that close friends of mine have been in? Um, I'd probably have to say the, oh, I don't, now the name is escaping me. There was a play that PCC did a couple years ago when I was still in school um, with Colin. Uh, Denbeck. His last name is Esca- yeah, Dembeck, and he was, it was My Fair Lady, was it? Was it My Fair Lady? I think so, yeah. Yes, and he was tremendous, as well as Mrs. Johnson, who played uh, the lady who was being reformed or whatever. Um, yeah. Tremendous. Oh, was he, the, was he the guy? He was the guy, yes. Oh, that sounds like fun. That was the year that I had just left, so that was Karina's senior year, and I think you were super senior that year, right? You super senior, that's right, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that so one was really one. good. Uh, I, That's I a great really story. Like yes, I love that story. Such a uh, anti-feminist concept for sure, but I love the story. Um, but <laughs> no, I don't know if you could call it that. But my favorite play that made me laugh the hardest was a couple years ago when the Gardner siblings played uh, Puck and the Donkey in Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, yeah. That was when you and I were both. Go- I don't know if you were. Were you in that one? 
I was not in it. No, that was one of the ones though that inspired me to even start oh my, to get into. Speech, it was it so was amazing. Good, dude. The set. Do you remember the set for that one? Yeah. Yeah. It was insanity. Um. It was. So, it I think that was mind. our freshman year. That might have been. It might have been because I, it, I was I was still bright eyed and bushy tailed, and I remember kind of like. Uh, being interested in the first semesters, which I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it was a singing one. Um, I think it was Pirates. I think it was Pirates of Penzance, because I'm pretty sure good old uh, Spilger was in that. And then the next semester, and I was kind of like, meh, I remember kind of falling asleep in that one, and the next semester is Midsummer Night's Dream, and it just, like, blew me away. Like, totally, like, total giddy fangirling over that thing. So, um, yeah, great memories, it was, great production. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, unfortunately, I can't say that anything that I've been in has been my favorite play. And when I was uh, in high school and I was homeschooled, um, some of the plays that we saw as a poor homeschool group were very, very low budget. Uh, and they were just community <laughs> plays thrown on. Uh, and it was almost like the stage was too big for the budget. Um, so it didn't really work. It was like it was almost like a skit. It was like six people rotating in and out of costumes as fast as they could. Um, and But the play that... I was in when I was a, I believe as a sophomore for, or junior, I don't remember, um, the play that I was in with Kaylee Spilger, the way that you could see behind the scenes a set develop, uh, choreography be developed, the way that you could see dialogue evolve, one-liners be added, ad-libbing be accepted and written into the script, uh, blocking, moving, projecting that was a beautiful experience although i hate watching myself act and i think i did a poor job as well but like it's different it's just it's a, you'd have to put qualifiers on it to watch just as a pure you know thing that stood out to me too though i i mean i don't know they, they they're pcc does a, they care so much yeah, and they put yeah. on bigger productions than they have to and they really go above and beyond and even if one person in that audience is impressed that's it's to, to them worth it so it's incredible what was I that will, that you were in the what 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 was the play that you're in i was just prince charming in a cinderella spin like story i was one of several it was one of those dps where you with all um, the different split yeah yeah yeah. i almost i almost forgot though um so there was so have you ever heard of sight and sound of course you have right yeah Yes, I've been to several Sight and Sound plays. The Adam and oh, Eve story so from like 2011 or 12 that I saw years ago, over a decade at this point, was tremendous. Uh, it, was, it made me cry. It was beautiful. The animals all over the place. It was amazing. Oh, and I just saw a last year, uh, no, earlier this year in May, I saw uh, Lion King on Broadway. It made me weep. Also beautiful. So There you go. Yeah, I was going to ask be so if hard. you had seen yeah. a Broadway I have just that one, and I, we want to go see uh, *Phantom of the Opera* as it is finally finished on Broadway uh, at the, uh, I think, end of February 2023. They're going to be done with uh, *Phantom of the Opera* on Broadway. Got to go get in there then. I should probably try to book some tickets too because I've never actually seen the film or the play, and I've always heard good things. <laughs> there you go. How about you? What'd you ask that question for? Did you want me to say um, yours? <laughs> because because I'm in it. Well, and and you you did. You brought up Midsummer Night's Dream. So haha. Um, no no, not the ones I've been in. I mean those are those are fun. I like Shakespeare, so I'm a sucker for it. So the only fine arts that I had a principal role in was Shakespeare. Um, With you and your airs. brother. That's right. Yeah. That was great too. It was fun. It was a ton- and and my thing is like I just I'm a I'm a literature guy already. I'm an English guy. So. Um, 
obviously William Shakespeare is the G. Like he is yes. top dog. So anytime that I have the opportunities to even get close to a Shakespeare production, I'm there. And yeah, I heard they're bringing back Queen Summer Night's Dream. They had only done it that once, that one time um, at PCC, and definitely surprising. It's a very romantic, touchy. Uh, yeah. play with a lot of like sure. innuendos and stuff that they edited out, obviously. Um, so it was kind of surprising that they even let them do it at all. But when they put it on in 2015, they had like all the people who like were the best actors on campus at the time in it. So it was just on a whole other level as far as actual interpretation was concerned. And then the stage itself was cutting edge you know pushing things yeah. and so now when i heard it was coming back i was like oh i have to be in it and it's actually amanda gardner who's going to be doing the directing now uh, dr monk who was the director stepped down so it was my favorite play in college and i had to go and try out for it i didn't even go to the actual auditions i just texted amanda and asked if i could be at the callbacks and she was like yes you can come (laughs) and so i was like yeah and then i ended up landing a role so i'm super excited about it i know it's not going to be the same just because the caliber of actor is definitely different i think that the people who are involved in this many of them all of them except for one other person are students so i guess two other people Whereas before, most of the principals were teachers. Now, it's just, it's a younger group. So, I don't know if it's going to be quite the, as impactful, but I'm going to have a great time with it. I know everyone's doing their best with it, and I'm excited for it. And it's, it's one of my favorites to at least go and watch of Shakespeare's. Shakespeare's interesting because a lot of his stuff is slow and plotting and brooding and dark, and it's fun from a literature perspective, but I don't know if I'd want to go sit through three hours of... Othello? Sure. I don't know. I sure. mean, maybe. I, I, I guess I would, but I don't think that that's necessarily something I would recommend to everybody. You know, King Lear? Like, I love King Lear. Absolutely love King Lear. Don't know if I'd go and watch a local production of it. Um, sure. Maybe just out of morbid curiosity. But any Shakespeare, uh, if I can get close to it, I'm going to I'm gonna jump on that. Um, I love uh, Les Mis. is probably my single favorite outside of Shakespeare play production. Um, anytime I've seen that, I think I've seen it three different times in three different places. And each time it's been amazing. Of course, Broadway was the best. I actually went and saw that in New York on Broadway. So that was something I'll just hold near and dear for the rest of my life. I've never been to Sight and Sound. That's like at the top of my list. Actually, Karina and I have been talking about planning a, a trip into the, I guess, Midwest, the West, uh, of the Appalachians where we go to um both sight and sound to try and see if we can get something there and then also to the arc exhibit and and then just to various civil war locations over there as well gettysburg is up there too yep Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good stuff and a lot of great battlefields and obviously like tennessee and kentucky are their own fun vibe and pennsylvania is right there as well so uh just kind of cut through that whole area we'll see if we'll be able to pull that off but always wanted to go to a sight and sound that's like obviously if you're if you're a speech person from a christian college like oh yeah that's the that's the goal <laughs> that <laughs> is the sound. goal yeah it is so everybody talks about it all the time and i just i have never had the pleasure although i think now they have their own little app and you can watch their own plays but that's definitely not the same i like watching me like a bbc shakespeare from time to time but it is not the same as going and watching it you know so yeah um Agatha Christie's always fun. Doing smaller productions can be great as well, but I'd say my favorite 
single one to watch outside of Shakespeare's Les Mis, and then really anything Shakespeare. You throw it at me, and I'm, I'm going to gobble that up. I love it. There you go. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into some video game talk uh, with the games we plan. Jared and I have been very busy, him with his move, readjusting to life over there in Connecticut, um, me with all the different things that I'm doing. I've still found time just because I am an avid, rabid gamer who cannot live without it to play several games. So I'll jump into my hefty list, Jared, once I hear from yours. So you tell me, what games have you been playing outside of the one that we're talking about for today? So I've been playing uh, two games primarily. One is a fresh start, Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, I love the feel of open world Rockstar games, Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead. They're trem- They're fun. They're so simple. They're intuitive for the most part. Um, and you know you have you do have to take a second to get re- you know used to the combat wheel as opposed to other open form RPGs. But um, Rockstar holds the title for most popular open world games of all time, um, having Red Dead Redemption and GTA sitting at the top of that list of most copies sold. So they are the kings. They are the goats. Um, and Red Dead Redemption 2 is a continuation of an insanely popular series, um, which is a prequel of Arthur Morgan and his whole story. Just started it. It's already been gripping and entertaining uh, and enjoyable. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the story plays out. The other game is Cult of the Lamb. Don't know if you've heard of it. A little indie game made some small ripples, some small waves several months ago when it was first released. It is a, I'll say it this way, a rough roguelike with morbid animal crossing vibes let me put it that way so there's two big cycles and phases you go through very quick days they only take i think maybe 15 minutes to go through a full day cycle and you have to keep the people that are in your uh, cult uh happy you have to keep them happy uh and they'll make weird requests they'll make you you know they're like leader dear leader i love you so much i want you to kill me or or they'll be like uh, leader, wouldn't it be so funny if we made uh, Tyson over there eat a bowl of feces? Um, just crazy, crazy stuff. And you have to keep those insane people happy, and they come up with dumb complaints, and you have to like farm and build housing and iron mines and ore and, and sacrifices and altars and rituals, and you have to power up. And you power up by going through and trying to defeat the you know gods Heket and uh, whatever else um, as you get through all of those guys and for the God that you serve. It's morbid. It's dark. It's cutesy at the same time. It doesn't make any sense. Um, it's funky, but it's rough. Combat is rough. It's not as fluid as it is what people are used to. It definitely plays almost like an arcade game almost in terms of its preciseness and accuracy. So it's not the best, but it certainly is entertaining at times. And it scratches a particular itch every now and again. Uh, although is it, is it like, a beat em up like are you just like punching things you take you go through you start your run with 
a, a randomly assigned weapon and uh, some power-ups to start your run. And then it's based on speed and power attack power. Slower speed means higher attack power and vice versa. Um, and then you just you have a dodge roll and an attack button, and that's it. So you're just kind of running okay. through, beating up other cultists for other gods, and then you are collecting resources, bones for rituals, stones for building, and, and vice versa, and, and you collect other followers. Um, and if what's interesting is like the difficulty doesn't scale like it should per se. Like if you put the game on hard right from the start, yeah, it's going to be difficult. But once you get going, especially with like the farming and keeping everyone fed and keeping people from getting sick and using the right rituals at the right times and stuff, it actually gets too easy even on hard mode once you get going. So especially if you focus on keeping your villagers happy instead of like beating, you know, enemies, right away. So I, the balance is a little off, the combat's a little off, but it is a, a, per, a, a peculiar little game, and I don't know, maybe right up your alley. Some people enjoy that stuff. So, Well, there you go. I'm excited you for go. you to play through Red Dead. That's a that's a very yes. um, masterful game in yes. its attempts to fully realize the West. Um, right. Now, so, Josh, um, I see you have on here Hyrule Warriors. That is a game that I could not get into, but I'm excited yes. to hear <laughs> what you're... So go ahead, launch into your long list here. Oh man, Hyrule Warriors, gotta love a Musou game. Musou is made by the particular team, uh, now the name's gonna escape me, Koei Tecmo. Um, they, that's their brand, and it's, it's its own thing. It's just you, you're put on a field with thousands of other enemies and you just chomp, chomp, chomp through them. Very repetitive, um, and hard to get into if you're not going into it with the mind of like, this is, this is as mindless as you get. <laughs> so that's always something that I have to be in the mood for. Sure. And I also have to kind of like keep in mind that it's going to be a very shallow experience. But yeah. I always have a good time with them. I have ever since. Um, oh, man. I, I mean, I played the um, their their Warriors games, the Dragon Warriors games, are like their their mainline one. Now their whole thing is just taking other franchises, applying Warriors to it. So they've done Fire Emblem, they've done One Piece, they've done everything you can think of. And they finally got Zelda, they did Hyrule Warriors, and then they followed it up with Age of Calamity, which is, of course, of the Breath of the Wild flair. And so I got it. It's been fun. I haven't beaten it. I just play it on occasion. I played it a good amount when I first got it um, and just was sitting down. It's like a easy end of the day. That and Tiny Tina's are kind of in my mind right now, like the the shallow, mindless, like end of the day. I don't want any stress. Um, I don't want to be thinking too hard at all. I just want to click some buttons and yeah. see colors go off and um, fun little twists and twirls of my character and everything and yeah. uh, numbers popping off of enemies and uh, health bars going down without v any effort on my part. Like both of those kind of fit in that category. And so it's been nice for like, if I am, you know, been out and about all day and that's been a lot of my days where I'll be done at school at four and then I'll get back home at like four 30. We'll sit down, Karina and I will do dinner and then I'll prep for a couple hours or maybe even just an hour before I go to rehearsal. And then I'm at rehearsal until 10, come back home, maybe prep a little bit longer. And then like around 10, 15, 10 30, I turn in and I just have my switch and I sit down and I turn on Hyrule warriors and I play through one little map slash against little boys 10 minutes 
15 minutes maybe, and then I go to sleep. Um, so it's nice for that. It's not really, I don't think it would ever be a Hall of Games thing. <laughs> like, they're no, just not I, that kind of game, you know? When I was playing it, it felt like, almost like, it felt like a mobile game at times. In, in sure. In kind of a funky that. way, yeah. But, um, yeah, 100%. interesting. And I, for whatever reason, dude, Elden Ring murdered Horizon Forbidden West for me, and I just, yeah, it's sitting there on my shelf. I've played exactly, like, 30 seconds of it, and I just can't, it, like, it calls to me, saying, hello, and I just can't pick it up. But are you enjoying Horizon Forbidden West? So I beat it. Um, and okay, cool. That, there's been, so on this list that you see in front of you, I have High Rolls and Tiny Tina's. I've been playing Tiny Tina's a lot recently, just in between games right now. Um, and that's been fun. Actually, I, I love that game. It's it's perfect for what it is. Um, but Horizon and Shovel Knight Dig are the two games that I beat. Horizon was the one that, like, over the last couple months, I was probably playing the most out of all these other ones. And um, mostly on the weekends, mostly on Saturdays. But it takes a little bit to get into. I know I had to force my way into it a little bit when I got back into mm. it. Um, and once you're back in it, though, it's a it's a masterpiece. It really is. I think the title of a YouTube video that I saw that like summed it up perfectly was Forbidden West is a generic masterpiece in that it's yeah. everything that open worlds, the, the basic open world RPG, RPG formula is. Um, there's nothing unique about it in that respect, but it's all done to the nth degree. The graphics are to die for. Like, that's... This is another game... Um, we talked about with Ghost of Tsushima, right? That's like one you stop and take photos of because yes. that's how pretty it is. Horizon Forbidden West is that way. Like this is jo- like I was having people come over. In fact, um, I started to play a little bit right when the baby was born, and um, Karina's family was in town, and all three of them, mom, dad, and um, Auntie T, all got together and were in the kitchen area just like chatting about. And I turned on Horizon, and the, all three of them kind of at one point turned and looked and asked me about it because of how pretty it was. They're like, What is this? This is like, it looks like real people walking around and talking to each other. And the animations when you're having conversations are all to die for. Like, this is a beautiful, beautiful game, amazing vistas. So that part of it helped me, I don't know, continue on with it. The combat is good too. Um, very much. It's the same thing as they had in Zero Dawn. I don't know if they've they've add, they added a couple of things like there's like a, a sticky weapon now, and there's a couple of other uh, types of like traps that you can get. So there's there's different weaponry, and then obviously the new machines are all a ton of fun. But it's all the same basic stuff, you know. Um, you yeah. just chip away at that weak points and bits of armor, and, and take off parts and do it in slow mo while you roll and run and. Uh, not much has changed that they add a grapple so that's sometimes fun as well they'll have particular areas where there's grapple points and you can like leap away and jump away from enemies and then slow-mo down and shoot off parts and so there's stuff to mix it up for sure but um outside of like the new machines the story is really good too that became a driving factor for me the further i got into it uh, but it's it's the it's an open world RPG. Like you're you're doing side missions and you're collecting items and you're jumping on your um, mounts. I don't want to spoil it, but they have a great addition to the mounts towards the end of the game. Um, and I think the story itself was very ambitious. I was very surprised about that when you first started out. It doesn't seem that way. She's yes. still dealing with Hephaestus and Gaia at the beginning, but yes, it really yes. begins to expand. And they throw a couple really good plot twists in there. So I don't know if it's quite as good. I think the first one story was very, very good. 
So I don't know if it's quite at that level, but they they didn't lie down with this one. Like they they tried some new stuff. So I really like that about it. Um, so it's a really good, great, cohesive package. But I get what you mean. I totally do because it's not an Elden Ring. Um, it's it's now I guess the 2010s brand of open world RPG. It's not the new cutting edge, uh, ambitious type in its sure. gameplay and its open world setup. So um, I totally understand that. I would encourage you to try to get through it though. I think you'd like it, but we've mentioned several times this year about open world fatigue. So if that if that's not something you get to for another year or even two, that is a okay, totally. Elden fine. Ring is like that ex girlfriend you can't stop thinking about. You know the one. You know the one. <laughs> I started. She just. Dude, I started she, it up again this week. Actually, <laughs> I believe it. Uh, well, they're getting ready to launch a DLC. I think because they just added in the uh, in the data files. They added uh, M M seventy yeah, something, those, and I saw those. Yeah m24 or something so they're getting ready to add new maps which means potential dlc content they've been balancing the pvp separate from the pve which means you can be broken in game but you're still fair fighting other players so they're trying to make everyone happy and dude i am so excited for a potential FromSoft armored core game or remake yeah. that would be epic dude i still have never played a mech game that i really really liked so that would be so cool yeah um, nothing to say about Horizon there. <laughs> All about Aldrin. All the praise going to the, uh, of course, uh, favorite child. But yes, that's right. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, I'll, you can't you can't get enough. No, you're totally fine. I totally get it. Like I'm even I pu- I turned on Demon Souls because I was like, oh, I just want like a Souls experience, especially after finishing Horizon. Um, the combat's good in Horizon, but it's just not it, it's not the challenge. You know, I had it on the hard mode and I was still breezing through the game until I got to the final boss. And when I realized. I got all the way, like, basically you start the last mission, and it tells you, like, you can't go back, and it's a really long mission, and if you want to break out of that, it'll set you way back at the very beginning of it, and I got all the way through to the final, final boss, there's, like, a couple of smaller bosses before then, and the final boss was kicking my butt, and I just realized, like, I'm just underpowered for this, I didn't do enough side quests, I'm not at the level I probably should be, I've been getting away with that, because I'm good enough with the technique of the um bow and dodging and things so sure. I'm good to go against regular uh machine enemies but uh the final boss just it was like one swipe and i was dead and i was like i i was getting so frustrated so i dropped it at that point just to finish it out i wanted to see the end of the game um but no difficulty as far as i'm concerned compared to from software games so i had that that itch and i tried to do demon souls but demon souls is like violently difficult <laughs> and it's old school too so yeah. and it's a plod like it's a slow moving game compared to an elden ring so i was like ah this isn't quite doing it so i decided this week to go back and finally platinum elden ring which i kind of put off and really i don't have much else like I have a few like legendary like sorceries and legendary talismans and stuff to get, and then I'm pretty much done. Um, so I'm right there. I think I have like 85 percent of the trophies. So it's like right around the corner. So I was like, I can just do this. Like just take a couple weeks and I'll I'll get it done. Um, and so I've been playing that. Actually, today I I dove back into Michaela's Helig Tree, which I hadn't done since my first playthrough. So I've only been through that area once, and I'm going back through, and I was like, I don't remember this at all. Like, yeah. This is awesome, like because there are several uh, legendary talismans there I need to get, and I was like, "This is great." I didn't, I, and I kind of shot myself in the foot because I could have jumped from grace to grace, but my first playthrough where I actually went there, um, I restarted. 
I did, I'm doing a second playthrough on that one just to get the, the last ending that I need. And so mm. when I realized, oh, I need to get some talismans from the Halog Tree, I had to go to my second playthrough, which was my mage playthrough, and I'm very underpowered in that one. Um, so Halog Tree's kicking my butt. But it's been like, I'm like, <laughs> yes, like I love this. Like I want that. Like I wanted that. So it's been a ton of fun to go back. Anyway, Elden Ring talk. Um, last couple games I'll mention really fast here Shovel Knight Dig was. Uh, a real treat a much shorter experience than i was hoping for it's a roguelike they took the shovel knight experience um which i think i still prefer in the original just because it's more of a uh structured straightforward adventure platformer um with a roguelike obviously you have the randomized bits to it and um uh you have to restart and stuff every time you die so that part's not everybody's favorite thing really like it though i think it works pretty well and Obviously incorporates more of the digging that you saw than you saw in the original. Love me some dig games, so that's fun. Um, and fairly short. Really liked it for what it was. I have it on my phone too. They released it on the Switch and the iOS. So every now and then I'll still play it on my phone just so if I'm sitting around and doing nothing else. But uh, fun little small experience. Would recommend if you like roguelikes. If not, I don't know if I really could. And honestly, for you, Jared, I'd be curious because you're you're kind of a roguelike aficionado between Cult of the Lamb and Hades and Moonlighter. Like you, you seem to know what you really like in those types of games. And I don't know if Shovel Knight is it. So not sure if I could recommend it. Uh, but then Inscription is a card-based roguelike really cool twist on that um the other card based game that i know people really like is um oh why is the name escaping me i know exactly what the the game like experience is like anyway it's another roguelike card game and um people really love it but this one's like that but with a very dark oh slay the spire is what it's called. Uh, that's like the one you'll hear people get addicted to. Uh, Inscription is Slay the Spire with like horror elements attached to it. And it is creepy in the best possible ways. Perfect for October. Um, and so I'll play that every so often. I don't think I've gotten very far in it. There's a cool little story that unravels as well. You're basically stuck in a hut with this shadowy figure whose face you can't really see. You just see his eyes. Um, and every now and then he'll like throw a mask on when he's like playing different roles in your card game and at the end after he has um taken there's like a, a scale balancing so if you get hit enough or if he uh if you hit him enough you either move on or if he hits you more than you hit him then you lose and he kills you he's like allowed to kill you at that point so then you die and then he has someone else who's you again come back in and uh there's a whole mystery going on with it too how you got there how you can get out and it's a lot of fun um i'd I'd recommend it. I think it's, if you're okay with the creepiness, like every time Karina sees me playing it, she's like, Ugh, no, don't like it. No, she walks <laughs> in the other direction. And then also involving with spooks, the last game I've been playing, and I play this only when Karina is around, is Resident Evil Village. Um, and I have it set on an easy difficulty. I do not want to challenge with this game. I just want to enjoy it for the, the jump scares and the story. And it's been fun. <laughs> Um, I've not gotten past Lady Dimitrescu, so I'm still in her mansion. Again, just taking it very lightly. Um, my gameplay or my gaming has been just very surface level the last couple months, and um, has been good for what it is. I feel so bad for uh, Ethan, the main guy. He just he just finds himself in awful situations. Poor guy, um, and it's been fun. But anyway. Lots of games. <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, but games we playing, uh, lots of good ones there. Let's go ahead and jump into our default segment. 
And Jared, for this, I thought we could bring up some some Jared lore here. And here's what I want to ask you. Um, <laughs> it's about Connecticut. So you're back. And I thought it would be good just to ask you a quick question of what's something nostalgic about Connecticut that now that you're back is exactly the way that you remember it? And then what's something that's not, that's changed? So what's something that you've gone back home um, is just as exciting and invigorating and uh, enjoyable as it was back when you were first there growing up? And then what's something that now, coming back older, is different and maybe not in a negative way, but just different in that you've, you're coming to grips with the fact that time has passed? So when you when you look at a... When you look at a, a video of someone, well, picture someone looking out the window of a vehicle as they drive down the road, Josh. Picture, like, picture that scene in your mind, right? Is the person driving? Are you, are you asking me? I'm um, asking you, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, they're not. They're not, right. So yeah, the, they're in the back. They're, they're in the back. They're looking out the window. They have time to contemplate what they're looking at, right? That, in in a sense, nothing is ever the same because your perspective changes over the years. Even these beautiful fall roads, I was taking Lucy to a social event for Instagrammers the other day. And, um, and, and we, we went to this little Hogan cider mills, beautiful little place. And on the drive there, she kept like, you know, ooing and eyeing at all of the leaves in the, in the, in the trees and the, they're falling and the car's driving and it's a little overcast and these roads are winding around and the, the pavement's fresh and black and the lines are really clear and like, but I'm driving. So as a kid, that nostalgia is gone because my role just by necessity, I'm the one who has to drive through these, these areas. And so I'm showing it to her when you go out and pick your own pumpkins, that for me as a kid, the experience itself is like closely the same, but then you realize that like, okay, there's another $50, $60 out of my budget because I'm paying for them now. When you go over to mom's house and the eight, it's been eight years since you've been there and, and now there's, you know, there's only one non-adult left in your home because everyone else is over, you know, that, that age, that's, that's, changes it's different dad's added a patio the backyard looks different the you know everything so in a sense nothing's the same nothing is the same i'm living in a different place the state feels different my adult responsibilities prevent me from returning to childhood to experience these things in the same way they're there they're the same experiences i know how to achieve them and do them but they'll never be the same because all the things that you've learned over the years you know, the weight of the world that's come to rest on your shoulders, you'll never have the light, springy, childlike skipping through the woods that you used to as a kid because you you carry differently. You carry things differently. For sure. So in a sense, it's all gone. But you can rediscover your childhood if you allow yourself to forget in those moments just how much you're carrying, just how much weight you have, just how much... How many thoughts, how many bills, how many, if you just allow yourself to forget for a moment and get lost in the smell, smell of the, the apple cider or the, the look of the pumpkin or the, or, or the, the wind in the trees, the sound of that, like you have to allow yourself to rediscover childhood and nostalgia or else you'll miss it. And you'll be wondering yeah. why you're feeling empty at the end of the day, just to take a second, close your eyes, breathe, listen, smell, experience, um, and to, you know, try to shut off your mind. It's hard to do, but 
in answer to your question, it's all the same and nothing's the same. Um, But that is Mm. just growing up. You have a new, and now you as a father, and this is something that I'm looking to in my future as well, is trying to give those experiences to your children now. Heck yeah. Um, And in a, in a less, you know, and being to being able to live through, you know, their eyes and, and see them and they don't have any, they don't have the weight of the world on their shoulders and they can run right. through that field without any cares in the world. So that's a beautiful thing. And being able to share a lot of these experiences new with Lucy, you know what I mean? My fiance has been tremendous. And to be honest, sure, you know, that's something that I'm looking forward to next year as well when I have the opportunity to maybe have some friends with me in New England uh, to sh- share that with them. So I'm excited. But um, but yeah, in answer to your question, it's all the same and you know not the same at all. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think the best way to relive your childhood is to have some kids. For so sure. I'm so excited, man. I am so excited for my daughter to get just even a little bit older. I'm also like dreading it because newborns have been, uh, the newborn stage has been a joy in its own right. And that's quickly fading. It's like, oh, like time marches ever onward <laughs> for me and that's for her right. and um yeah. but she's she's still gonna have like you know what is it like five solid years of like just pure joy and innocence which is like those first several years and <laughs> what are you gonna I'm do give her a bill so as soon as she that. turns six maybe <laughs> we'll see <laughs> yeah it's like all right yeah. let's start paying rent that's no, I right mean, like yeah. at that point like things they they i mean they definitely are still kids you know um, no, that's why you. I enjoy working with junior hires too. Like they're just in a, a still like they're still like crazy, energetic, and stupid, goofy, and like yeah. fart jokes make them laugh way harder than anything else. And like they're just <laughs> like in this much more innocent stage. Although even the thirteen-year-olds today are, are much less innocent than certainly I was back then. Um, and that's been good keeping me young uh having a baby also get to like have parts of my childhood back so um i'm looking forward to that and i I like being an adult like and and it's tough going back to the places where you you perceive them one way as a kid and and realizing oh like the magic that i thought was there wasn't inherently there it was just where i was in life right so i've felt that and going back to colorado as well so um and I, i actually had a similar situation where i brought my then brand new wife back and was like trying to like re-imbibe the excitement of being back home with her and like showing her old haunts and showing her my old neighborhood and all this stuff and uh wanting her to like really be excited about it (laughs) um which is hit or miss right sure Uh, right i I totally get it i totally get it and um you're right everything is the same but uh, everything has changed as well so uh not to be too melancholy but let's jump into our pick of the week And that is The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening. The remake in 2019, uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening was released back in 1993 on the Game Boy, and then it was re-released on the Game Boy Color with a lot of 
good changes to it. And then it was re-released, I think, on the GameCube as well. There was like a 2008 version of it as well. And now here it is being re-re-re-re-released on the <laughs> Nintendo Switch in 2019 uh, with the purpose of preserving this very old experience while also like making it as modern as possible. So Link's Awakening, very bizarre, very unique Zelda game. It is it is definitely its own thing. And I think the remake definitely captures that, but I think the original does just because of the fact that it's original does it a little bit better. Um the the remake in my opinion does a lot to um I don't know, uh mallow out the the bizarre edges of it and um make it feel more like a toy chest come to life i think all the mm. characters and just very look plasticky and and toy like whereas before it was like a just like a a, a bizarre village you, you came across <laughs> so mm. it's a little different um but i i i applaud them for what they've done to improve on this experience um but let's jump into it and give our impressions of it as well um and Jared, I guess I'll ask you, overall impression of the game, how did you feel about it? I know you were able to finish it out, so how did you feel about it by the time you were done? Yeah, so from start to finish, parts of it were a, a, a joy. And, and I, you know, um, do you know if Mr. Mac still works at PCC? Do you know? Say it one more time. Mr. Mac, do you know if he works at PCC still? Um, yes, I believe he does, yes. He does, okay. Love that man. He was one of my favorites. Um, uh he um he w- had told this story i don't know if he still does it you know he, he's had a kid since then um or two i haven't really kept up with i don't know but he would tell this story to the spirit singers he would say every year i do my zelda pilgrimage and i go down into my basement and i disappear for a week and i play through all of the zelda games from start to finish chronologically and i was like well first of all that's nuts um second of all you know <laughs> i Zelda question mark because up until that yeah. point like my first Zelda experience was Breath of the Wild. You know what I mean? Like that that was mm-hmm. that was my first Zelda experience which was maybe not the best place to jump in. Um but anyway, so I went into this game looking forward to experiencing more Zelda, especially after the high that is Breath of the Wild, the disappointment that was Skyward Sword, um mm-hmm. and and I say disappointment. I mean that lightly. Like, don't, you know, it was, it is what it is. It's fine. I didn't hate, it, whatever. Anyway, but no, the. I, no, I think you had some viable. Yeah, um, go listen to our episode on Skyward Sword to get more clarification. Really, the story and the world are beautiful. I, I really don't have a problem with them. But, but anyway, but so I came into this game with excitement. I'm going to enrich myself further into this series that has changed people's lives impacted them positively you know warmed their hearts uh, uh uh made cold their blood like this is this is a legendary series i was so excited to get into this uh and then you drop down a koalan island the opening cut scene is reminiscent of an old you know the zelda art style the 2d beautiful animation and then you drop in and it's like it's pops for sure, no doubt. You got some uh, just yeah. the gorgeous thickness of it, the the subtle shading, uh, the blurriness, the out of focus, the way. But the way the world feels, almost you can feel like you could reach through and pull up, you know, a tree from the the landscape, and it would have some texture to it. You know how, you know how you can look at the texture of something, and you know how it feels. Like that's what it yeah. is yeah. is like to play this game. You can almost feel it through the screen. So. 
you know, it's it's incredible. I, lo- I love that about the game. It's one of its strongest suits for sure. So, um, and then ending, I kind of ended on a sour note just because of the way the boss fight went, but learning mm. what the overall secret of Koalin Island was, how it was going to end, um, and the story of the villagers left me with a small emotional pang, uh, a longing, or whatever you want to call it, and it ended on a, a fairly positive note. Uh, it was rough yeah. going to get started and rough going just before the end, but the very beginning <laughs> and the very end were both, you know, largely positive experiences. So okay. that was my overall impression um, Good for the game, yeah. Good. Well, um, I think I'm I'm in the same camp. I know I played this on the uh, I think on the DS, the 3DS, because they had Game Boy Color games that you could download, mm-hmm. and I checked it out. And it, I, I'm obviously a Zelda nut, so I played a lot of older games just going back as I was getting into gaming during my teen years. And uh, I played th- this was the only Zelda game I was not able to beat. Because I just kept getting stuck. It's a cozy game for me, like totally my comfort zone. I love Zelda games. I love the Link to the Past. I even like the original. Um, just that isometric, top-down, um, playing through those games on the DS, the Spirit Tracks game and the Phantom Hourglass game were just like, oh, so cozy. Like that, Just playing that in my bed at night was like one of my favorite things to do growing up. Mm. So I jumped into this one hoping for the same thing, and... I remember like getting so mad <laughs> and being like, yeah. "What am I supposed to do?" And like yeah. getting so frustrated with this game. It's still like it's still Zelda. It's still that Zelda logic. So I was loving that. It's so goofy and uh, bizarre because of its dreaminess. Okay, spoilers. It's a super old game, but because it's all in a dream, like there's just some crazy stuff going on. So like that's fun. But there were some issues with the um, making of this game. And I'm pretty sure that's not just you and me saying that. I think that was most people back then too. Like very few people, I I don't know what the statistics are, but I want to say very few people who actually got the game were able to finish it because there's just several moments in it where the way that's designed, um, you have like one option to get through like to push the story forward and it you either miss the subtle clue that tells you or there's no clue at all and you just all of a sudden spend the next 30 45 hour and a half uh 34 five minutes an hour and a half looking around and just like walking and like where am i supposed to go (laughs) um and this one more than any other zelda game i've played suffers from that um they've done a lot to try to mitigate that with this remake but even now even now like in my opinion you got to play this game with a guide. Like if, if, unless you don't have, like if you, if you have a high tolerance for like suffering and retro games, like play the, like, please play with a guide. Cause this is something that outside of those, those moments of, of obtuseness, uh, the, the subtlety, I think like they try to give you all these hints, right? They have a whole hut set aside for hinting, but even the hints are like, what? And sometimes the hints that, yeah, and sometimes they give you a hint that's opposite of what the owl told you to do. And yeah. you're like, "Wait, so which one am I supposed to follow here?" And it's like, "What are you what are you telling me here?" And so I'm like, "Ah, oh. so I just went and I looked it up. I remember playing it on the the 3DS. I didn't finish it, never finished it. And then playing through here on the Switch, I I went into it the mindset of like, "Let's go. I'm going to do this without looking." And I looked it up on a guide within like especially once you get to the the trading sequence, which is I think both the most the not ambitious but the the most unique idea maybe that this game had but also the most frustrating um yeah. so it's old <laughs> uh this is the oldest game we've covered on bard's backlog this even beats out 
Super Mario 64. So it's old. Uh, the video game industry had only been around in the state that it was for about 10 years when this game came out. Um, the industry was arcades before, right? And then when it started yep. to switch over to video game consoles at home, there was a huge crash in the early 80s. Um, I want to say it's like 1982 or 1983 or something like that. And for a lot of time, a lot of people thought, like, this is ever going to expand beyond arcades. Uh, home console gaming is going to fall apart. This is never going to happen. And then it got reinvigorated, thanks to Nintendo. And now we had consoles and homes. And then they also pushed forward portables with the Game Boy. Um, mm-hmm. So that was its own unique idea. And so this game's in that era of like learning and discovering and, and Game Boy games too. Like if you go back and try to play any of them, they are a nightmare and they move so slow. Even Mario games like Mario on the Super Nintendo is like Mario World is a breeze. Even to this day, it's like a nigh perfect game. It's so much fun to play even to this day. But the Mario game on the Game Boy Color that came out after is so slow and and small and boring and frustrating. So there's hardcore limitations that I think, you know, I want to make sure I keep into mind while even playing this game. Um, and the fact that they even tried to give us a full-fledged Zelda adventure on the very first handheld portable console, the Game Boy, is wild ambitious. And they pulled it off on some level, but there's definitely some some oldness to it that just made it very, very difficult to get into and very, very frustrating to boot as well. And because they're trying to preserve some of that, a lot of that's here in the 2019 one as well. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've felt the same way in many frustrations. I was like gung ho. And then as soon as I hit a mental difficulty in which I didn't know what the next step was, I was like, I'm not going to look this up. This isn't Elden yeah. Ring. I don't need to look it up. This is not. <laughs> and then sure enough, I was like, I legit, I have no idea. I'm at my wit's end. I have no clue where to go next. And then you look it up and you're like, yeah, I don't think I ever would have figured that out because that's not intuitive. I don't, you know, it it doesn't make sense to me. Um, The the trading sequence too, I remember when the character asked for vittles. I'm like, what? Uh, What vittles? What is vittles? You know what I mean? Stuff like that, you know? So (laughs) yeah, yeah. play this game with a guide, folks. Don't kid yourself. I mean, it was. It, I think there's a different resiliency to old games. Old game is old. You say that. To, I should sure. get that tattooed on my lower back, Josh. With how often <laughs> you have to tell me, you have to remind me that. But like, old game is old, and you have to. This is a remake of an old game. Those elements are still going to be there. And yeah. to say, like I said, I think there's some resiliency to playing an old game, which is that like no one's going to help you if you don't figure this out. This is where your gameplay stops. And as a yeah. kid. All that precious money, the tiny little bits of allowance that you save up here and there to get a game and to invest in that. Like, it's just that resiliency is over. Now you can just, you know, return it and get a new game or, or, you know, get all of your money back and say you hated it or whatever. And now you can go look up what game to invest in before you purchase it. It's just a different world now. You can't squeeze all of the juice out of the game. Uh, uh, well, I should say it this way. Developers can't expect you to squeeze every little bit of juice out of a game when the internet is right there spoiling it for you, telling you how to squeeze it. And it's like, it's just not your own anymore. This is, games are built around senses of community, around sense of helping. And just the caliber of people that are interested in a grind, a mental grind like this one, just 
beating away at bushes until you figure it out. Don't yeah. really, you know, I know three people literally off the top of my head who started Link's Awakening and could not finish it. And in fact, all three of them abandoned it within an hour of starting it. And they haven't gone back. They just, yeah. no, not mm. for me. I'm not interested in this. And a huge part of that is this whole guide concept. You Folks, just play the game with a guide. because, And I'm not even blaming you or me when I say this. It's just we have a modern sensibility. We have a modern culture around gaming that tells us what to expect. Video game logic for 2022 is different than it was when Link's Awakening was created back in the day. It's a different breed of gamer, so don't feel bad if you play a guide. In fact, I think you'll enjoy it more if you have the handy guide next to you you can refer yeah. to. For well, sure. and that's not that's not even something back then that people like look down on. Like uh, games came with a little manual, and oftentimes, like you'd open up the case and the manual's in there, and the manual would give you hints and clues and stuff that the game didn't. And people poured over those things, you know. Sure. Like it was very normal to play any game, especially ones like a Zelda games, like dungeon heavy games, and ones that had a lot of mystery, uh, with like a, a pen, a notebook handy, right? Going and asking questions, writing in. I know looking back at old magazines, there's a podcast I listen to that oftentimes brings up uh, like video game magazines and will read off different segments and stuff and read off questions of like what people were having back then. Um, and people are asking questions about the game and like asking about what do I need to do here and so on and so forth. Like, and, and there was no shame in that, you know, zero shame. It's just, that's, that was just a part of it. And, and there is like this sensibility of like being, being kind of cheeky and coy with stuff back then, you know, like I, I like that actually, like I like the old school, like, um, like, the way they hint at stuff, like, they'll be like, oh, like, there's a way to get hearts back at the fairy fountain. And, like, if you don't know what that is or uh, haven't seen a fairy fountain, you're like, what? Like, what What are they saying? Like, yeah. Uh, and you're just kind of, like, taken aback by it. And it's just kind of like, I don't really know what was happening there. Like, what's that guy doing? And, like, that part is, I think, the developer's kind of having some fun. Uh, but then it doesn't lend itself to being, you know streamlined and accessible <laughs> because of right. that uh so that's just a part of it but um all that being said like play with the guide i think you'll you'll be able to enjoy it because this game has so much good to it um in my opinion um it's it's a it's a beautiful game this is the cutest link you know um just delightful graphics all around uh, yes. like i said it yeah. does kind of feel like a like you opened up a toy chest and like all through all these guys on here which is a little different from the main game but um even just him like walking around and his movements like they've modernized it on that level where you, you really you can't go wrong with even just visually enjoying this game um, yeah. what did you think of the graphics jared dude it's great i mean the, the physic like i was saying you can look at the the figurines uh you know the the piranha plant figurine and be like i want to chew on that that actually looks like yeah <laughs> it looks tasty almost the way yeah. link's little hat bounces as he runs across the map the way it feels to cut grass or to smack an enemy it feels tangible um and the graphics really lay into that um it and put together a cohesive package and i think that's a difficulty because the game was marketed so well as this visually stunning reimagining of a classic 
that a whole bunch of modern players were interested in playing it and then just right. had no idea what they were in for. And, they, yeah. and then kind of now they have this chibi cute, adorable, f- visually stunning and flawless game that they can't enjoy. And it's just sitting on their shelf or it's been returned to the store already at this point. Um, totally betraying. Some, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. Totally. It really is. Yeah. People don't know what they're getting into. And and to be frank, it's kind of an odd choice on the, de- the developer's part. I'd almost... Um, wonder what they were thinking when they did that. Were Zelda fans largely? Well, I guess gamers don't really care. They're kind of an odd breed. I'm just kind of thinking that like most of the people describe this art style as cute, and I'm just wondering yeah. if that's Zelda's main demographic. I don't know. I just suppose it doesn't no, really but matter. You know why I think they did was because this was a Game Boy game. Like uh, in my opinion, this is like what a kid with a Game Boy envisioned that this game looked like back when he was playing it. You know? Sure, I can see that. Like, like it's, and now on the Switch, yeah, especially standing up against like a Breath of the Wild, like it's just like, uh, why does everything look so childlike? But like that was, that was the demographic, especially back then, right? No sure, adult was sure. playing a Game Boy. Right. Um, and and it, it's a Game Boy, so everything was so small, everything was so compact, that I think they were just really trying to recapture that, which I think they did fairly well. I think that was what I'm sure a lot of kids in their minds translated it to, right? Uh, but as a 26-year-old now, I mean, I still like it. Like, I can appreciate all the detail that they've added to this. And there's so yeah. much detail um, in all the little rooms you go into. Like, there's stuff in each room that really invokes the personality of the characters. Yes. Um, in, in the dungeons themselves, uh, on the map, obviously, like the each of the different little areas and biomes, like the the trees and everything just look so bouncy and fun. And yes, um, even the, the enemies like they pop up and you're like, ooh, scary. But you're also just like a cute little round skeleton, like whatever. Um, I like all that. I like yes. All that. Yeah. The way the map is. I really like the map. It's a little hard to read from a technical standpoint because yeah. of the. The way it looks on you know on screen, but the map is beautiful. The dungeons yes. are exceptionally eye catching. I love the way the dungeons are designed. Now they're frustrating mm-hmm. at times, sure. Well, I'll say more tedious than frustrating. If I really, I didn't actually have to look. I had to look up what to do next in the main storyline to get from one major area to the other. But dungeons, by and large, were more of a just kind of like tr- uh, track and backtrack until you figure it out. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Much more limited space to work within, but. Uh, on the topic of design really enjoyable to look at and bosses you know other than the final boss who i thought was a little boring to look at most bosses are really really fun to mess around with for sure yeah yeah the the um what uh, what, what boss is it that like i'm trying to think of like the different bosses and because there's some of them that are that are super weird um you got the, you got some cyclops in there you got some pe- people who throw you know uh bugs looking things you know spiders there's a blob that swallows things that's really interesting to look at um okay yeah 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 i don't know just i don't remember it's been actually over a month since i played Link's awakening so my memory's a little hazy but Mm -hmm. i remember just finding the bosses largely pleasant for the most part to to look at and interact with yeah i think i'd agree and like there's there's obviously uh, a level of threat that is lost when they're bouncy and fun-looking bosses. Uh, <laughs> For sure. But that's kind of the whole game. So, 
can't really yeah. knock it. Um, as far as the map is concerned, though, I think you're right. It's a, I think it's a fantastic map. I think they did a lot to really help you. You can like mark it like you can in Breath of the Wild. Yep. Um, yep. You can you can zoom in and out and stuff, and it's a lot more detailed than certainly that was in the original game. Uh, it even keeps like a log of every little conversation that you've had. Yes. Which is very nice. Although very handy. Even then, yep. you can't find what you need to do half the time yeah um so that's still a problem uh there i th- I feel like there could have been a way to give more hints like with the map itself like maybe like you can go to Olrira's hut or something and pay for like a little ping on your map in the area you're supposed to be in sure yeah um and just have it like glow or something like like something to help with the the obtuseness of the game because I, I do think especially for modern gamers who were kind of tricked out by the by the art style uh, going in and buying it you're like oh I am I don't know what's going on like I don't right. know where I'm supposed to go and I keep like going back up to this area and like exe- every single time there's a stupid rock in the in the way and I don't have the item to get past it and you're just like getting frustrated at it so yeah I feel like there's some way to help that they didn't do um, but they still give you a ton of resources. Um, I mean, there's a whole hut full of tips at the start of the game. Um, you have Olrira's hut. Uh, I love the owl. Gaypora Kaybora, I think is his name. Kaypora Gaybora, maybe it's the other way around. Um, classic Zelda figure, and I, I forgot he was even in this game at all. So having him, the wise owl, kind of pop up and, and direct you on the path to the windfish was fun. Um, and everything just beautiful to look at as well. I Did you experience any slowdown? I guess in design before we move on, did you ever experience any like just the game chugging a little bit? Sticking and chugging like yes, in the system, not being able to handle it. Yeah, no, no, I never personally did. Um, Okay. I definitely did. mm. I definitely did, which was very surprising to me for, for how simple the game seems. Sure. Um, Now I know they, they updated it like the, the Game Boy version, it slides from screen to screen. So, like, you have a small square screen, and then when you move into the next area, it kind of loads it. Um, they've gotten rid of all those transitions. Now it's just one seamless big map, so you're just walking, and it just moves along with you. So the transitions make it feel very seamless and make the world feel very cohesive, which is good. But I think sometimes there was, like, either too many enemies on my screen or something. Especially, I remember the, the part where um, you have the chain chomp, and... Um, Mm-hmm. Or they don't mm-hmm. call it that. Uh, they, what do they call it? <laughs> it's not Chain Chomp. Uh, all of them, it's so funny. They have all these Mario the characters bow-wow. in the game. Yes, the Bow Wow. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the, the Bow Wow pet. Um, the, the Bow Wow, when he was with you, and he's kind of like bouncing behind you, and you have to go through the swamp. And I the game like slowed way down for me, because he's like mm. trying to s- chomp on all the different flowers that are there. Sure, and there's yeah. a couple of other enemies that are popping. There's like fish jumping out of the water. So it seems like it was like almost too much going on. Um, and I was surprised about that. I was kind of disappointed in that. Um, but I'm glad you didn't have to deal with it. No, well, did you have a, a download or a physical copy? physical interesting so did i i don't know that's that's interesting i don't know yeah yeah i don't know either um as far as the dungeons are concerned i guess the overall gameplay loop of going out onto the field and then going into the dungeons was that enjoyable for you i know this is really your first zelda game which is like classic in that way so how did you enjoy just like that basic zelda logic and gameplay loop well, uh, I, I, like I described the dungeons, I think the the dungeons were, if they, 
if they were frustrating, they weren't really frustrating. They were just tedious, just like a lot of work to do um, and having to track and backtrack, especially the dungeon, which was my favorite and least favorite, which was like multi-layered and you could fall through the floor to the layer below you. And you had to work your way up. I, that was uniquely genius. I really liked that one, um, having to like back up. And but it was tedious, and it was it took a long time to do. Um, but th- coming out onto the overland was a little annoying because traversal wasn't nearly as fun. At least at the very least, we're having like decreasing levels of enjoyability in traversal, and this is probably because the world itself is like a puzzle upon a puzzle upon a puzzle. You know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's fine. It's not really. It's just not enjoyable. So once I unlocked waypoints and then I could travel relatively quickly in between and you unlock the fish's song so you can do the mambo thing, which is, you know, it, it's interesting, but it's what I, you know, once I unlocked that traversal became less of a headache, but I just, I'm, I long for the days of Breath of the Wild when I could jump on horse. I always kept a horse close by and I would physically ride to the next location because that was more fun than, you right. know fast traveling um and skyward sword even though even though flying the bird occasionally got tedious it was still a a a thing that was to be enjoyed as you were doing it since you had to do it anyway so um this game was not quite like that so the gameplay loop i i looked forward to the dungeons i didn't look forward to traversing the overworld um dealing with dealing with relative enemies was fine you know what i will say one thing that really frustrated me in terms of like the loop and then gameplay is that like the bow wow i had to google it because it wasn't intuitive i I knew you know i don't know i just missed that i had to take him for a walk and some other things vittles some other things but what really frustrated with me was like combat wasn't clear like throughout the whole game and I, i i literally learned three new techniques when i got to the final boss that apparently were like usable the entire game. Most notably, well, actually, I'm not. I haven't double checked this. That's what I was googling before we started the episode. But like, did you have to project? You have to hit the projectiles with your sword to bounce uh, them back. It, that's not a yeah. thing you can do the whole game, right? Or is it? No, that's the final boss thing. That's like a like in the old Zelda games. That's how you defeat the final boss in the original, in a link to the past, and in this one. So that is unique to that. I don't think you can do that in most cases, unless it's a boss. Typically, it's only in a boss situation that you can do that. And it was just uh, literally, I mean, I died maybe eight times to that one phase. Yeah. Maybe not that many. I probably gave up before that and Googled what I was supposed to do. But I was like, I'm missing something crucial here. And like my gut feeling, as it has been this entire game, is that they didn't tell me something. And so, uh-huh. sure enough, I got to whip out the guide. And it's like, oh, no, you have to hit the projectile with your sword. I'm like, where has that been? The entire game. Yeah. What, where has... What, what, what Man, are we I doing? I take for granted. I, do, I take for granted a lot of, like, Zelda logic and... Um, yes. I don't know, like, things that at this point are, like, instinctual for me. Like, sure. oh, I can, I can bomb sure. this this wall. Or, uh, uh, oh, uh, I can... I, I know a heart piece will be over here and um, oh, I know I need to go and clear this room in a particular way so I can get the key to drop, but it doesn't ever say anything like that to you. Um, and this one in particular that, that that does happen quite a bit or like the projectiles hitting. I don't even think about that because yeah, uh, I had to do that in one Zelda game. Once I realized like, Oh, that happens in the final boss. Sometimes I just, at that after going forward, if yeah. I was ever stuck on a boss, I just try that. Um, 
but I had to learn it. <laughs> so I take sure. it for granted. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that was, that was probably my final, that was, that was, I think my final frustration with my game, the final note that I put down, like what was that, that I just did. And it, it really put a huge sour taste in my mouth for the final boss. Um, additionally, you know, there is a hero mode to this game where you're supposed to play the whole game without dying a single time. I do see Oof. myself, if I really paid attention, being able to do that if I really put my mind to it because the shield is so strong. Like, you really don't get hit if you block with your shield. But at the same time, that final boss, I, I really feel like I'd play the whole game flawlessly, get to the final boss, and then when he's in the, like, the pig form with like the swirling blade that you can't get around, I would just die yeah. at least once to trying to beat that particular phase. So it was yeah. just a little frustrating that it seemed like there weren't any other bosses, at least not that I can recall, where I could practice learning the game logic to beat the final boss. Because I didn't use the spin attack, a single the charge spin attack, a single time in the entire game until the final boss. I didn't use the yeah. projectile until the final boss, and then something else, I don't remember what it was. I think I just forgot that I had the boomerang, I think. So I just didn't use okay. it the whole game. So, Which, yeah. apparently, in the old games, is a majorly OP weapon, and in this game, has mm-hmm. been toned down a good bit, so it didn't matter too much. But, yeah, I mean, the gameplay specifically, like, fighting the different... There's a dungeon down in the southeast that you have to go through a bunch of puzzle nights. You have to touch them, they move, and then you have to w- wiggle around them. And then he's in the he's guarding that dungeon. He was a lot of fun. But again, you're just like, what am I doing wrong? What am I missing yeah. here? That like I'm just dying, and my regular old video game logic isn't enough. So you know, it's like play, oh, you have uh, to push that rock over there. That, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I was gonna ask you about the uh, the the combat. Just was it ever bothersome to you that Link really like he really only slashes in front of him, which is where that spin attack comes in handy. Um, did you wish for a little bit more complexity in his attacks? No, partially because the game feels, despite having a three D texture to it, still feels two D. You know, and so when it okay. comes to that, it's more about blocking, keeping enemies in front of you, keeping them on the other side mm-hmm. of that shield. So for me, the spin attack never came up because I was never surrounded by enemies. I was always just gotcha. keeping one at a time in front of me and, and trying to not die so that I didn't have to restart my progress. Not that I cared about dying. I died a lot. It was just more of like the inconvenience of starting over. Um, but then again, dying puts you really close to where you died for the most part. It wasn't like you lost massive chunks of progress. But combat, no. I thought, you know, for a game that's trying to remake an old system, you don't need to reinvent combat completely. I felt that it was good enough. It's just those two or three things at the final boss fight that I was like, what is this doing here? (laughs) How Um, did you feel about the items? As far as like his weapons specifically, or just items in general? Yeah, like all the all well the the weapons you can use, the ones that you can swap out for your A and B buttons. Yeah, let me see here. There's like uh, you've got the feather, rocks feather. You've got the boots. Um, you have the um, obviously the shield. Sure. You have the bow and arrow. You have the boomerang. Um, no, I actually there? felt. I actually felt like each item that I was given had its place and time to use, and it was fairly balanced. I, I, I felt like I 
if anything, I used the feather. I had the feather equipped almost yeah. 90% of the time once I got it. It just seemed to come in so handy in my, my style, my flow, right? But other than that, I felt like my items were pretty balanced. Now, here's where I jump in and ask you about major differences between the old and the new game in terms of feel. Like, for mm. you, combat you know, gameplay items, is this a departure from the original so much so that you resent the game at all? No, no. I think it it's obviously modernized. It's very slick and, yes. and fast. And even, like, like, if you smash the Y button, you can get, like, ten slashes of your sword in, like, a second. Like, you just, like... Yeah. Like, you can yeah. just, like, really just hammer out at something if you really need to um which i like obviously you couldn't quite do it that fast in the original game but no older zelda games are kind of are are a little slow so i liked the fact that it was faster um and the items all work fairly similarly to how they did back in the day so i don't think there was anything that was lost i do think they they um uh, i don't know uh with with um the ability to use a there's like a parry ability now yeah. if you time things right i think that was i don't know not implemented the way it probably could have been and i don't know how you fix it but i didn't end up using it as often as perhaps i would have wanted to yeah um i think that could have been a good improvement and it just ended up becoming something that the game just originally was never built for so i never ended up using it um but otherwise i like it for what it is i don't think there's much else that they really needed to change for me i'm i'm just happy they preserved what they did yes um, and their whole purpose here was to like give you the original game like they wanted you to have that you know and yeah. that experience again so i i appreciated that and the fact that they didn't try to add a bunch of crazy stuff but it does become very simple which is why i asked the question of um, whether or not you were kind of like, oh, why, why, like, why can't I get a, a, a combat art or something like that that gives me a different type of slash or something with my sword? Sure. Um, you just you're doing the same exact button mashing and holding up your shield and button mashing and holding up your shield throughout the entire game. So yeah. the variety comes in with the enemies, right? You have uh, electrical enemies that are going on a, a course on the walls, and you have uh, ghost enemies, and you have um, mm-hmm, jumping mm-hmm. enemies, and like the the skeletons will like jump away from you, and you have to kind of corner them and like really swing your sword at them, and then you have like the caterpillars that are going in a weird direction, and um, they're the ones that force you to obviously go and try and do different things, or like you have the ones that like you have to drop the bomb in front of so that they swallow it, and um, so on and so forth. So those are where you'll get variety. It's not in Link himself. Right. Um, so I think that they, they kept all that, and so that's that's good. And, and, and the yeah. risky uh, the riskiness of the Rock's Feather that they added into this game, I think, was brilliant because they, they could have completely broken this game with that item, but it just works. Like yes. It just works. Uh, Link is not able to jump in any of his other 2D games. This is the only one. Okay. Uh, so that's cool and like that was like whoa link can jump like that's crazy like i don't think there's a dedicated jump button in any other game other than breath of the wilds if i'm not mistaken i don't think skyward sword had it like you can kind of do like flips and like a jump forward um and then a climb like you can climb stuff maybe i'm wrong no you can't just like press a and jump in skyward sword and that's I don't the case for think most Zelda games. So if I don't, but those are 3D anyway. You know what I mean? Like this right. one has a more 2D feel. No, and and not only can he jump, this man be doing back uh, front flips out here. Yeah, <laughs> heck yeah, <laughs> he does. And it comes in handy in like those little 2D sections. You like go underground. Yep. I thought those were cool too. 
so yeah, no, I think the combat is is what it needs to be for this game. Yes, um, and it's enjoyable, and it, it's it's fast. Like it, it keeps you going. Like it in the older games, you can definitely feel like it's a little too slow and plotting. Um, sure. But this, because of the modernization of it, just it, it, it appeals to a Gen Zer who obviously needs just as much stimulation as possible to continue <laughs> forward. Uh, my so, parents took away my Adderall. I need this game to be fast. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, precisely. No, I, precisely. I think. I think that. Uh, the callback to what felt like an older combat style was actually something that I found refreshing other than the frustrations I've previously mentioned. I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. the grind of the combat itself dealing with enemies. I had just my methodical, like keep them in front of me kind of simple style. And I enjoyed that it felt old. Um, so no, I, I, I don't think it needed too much. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think that's a good point. I don't think it needs any more complexity. Now there are some things that I found um, superfluous in this game, and I think it goes okay. to show that we really haven't even mentioned them. Is one? Did you try the dungeon building at all? Nope. No, me. Didn't I care did. For it. I did, and it was like it, it was literally like, okay, cool. I'm a, I'm gonna go build a dungeon, and maybe I'll play it. And you know, it's a, it almost feels like the the potential of it seems like it could almost be an additional like one third the size of the game with like what you could do in there. And then you go in there and you try to build this and it's like, nope, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. Can't put that piece there. Nope, you got to do this. There's certain rules. You have to follow the rules. And I was just like, this is not, this is not for me. I'm not doing that. I'm not going through that headache. Um I did get obsessive about the the claw game. I I don't know. Apparently, it's much easier yeah. than the original. But in this game, I enjoyed how difficult it was. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get this freaking thing. What was your experience with that? Having played the original, no, I loved the claw game. Is a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun. Yes. Um, I I'm actually playing it again because you have to get the Yoshi doll from there. And so I was trying to do that for the trading sequence. And Karina was like watching me and laughing. Cause I'd get so close. <laughs> right. And just the way it, clo- and it like invokes what it's like to do that in a car in an arcade. Yes. So loved that. That was a ton of fun. Yeah. The chamber dungeons didn't care for, I, I remember hearing about the fact, cause that's new to this one. Um, sure. Dompe, who's like the graveyard digger, uh, who pops up in Ocarina of time. He's a lot of people's, a lot of people like him as one of the side Zelda characters and so he wasn't in the original game to see him was kind of like ooh cool maybe this is going to be awesome and from what I've heard yeah it just wasn't super interesting or um, fulfilling so I just completely ignored it for the most part um, what other uh, there's like fishing you can do like a fishing mini game that's fine I'm not the biggest fan of fishing mini games in general um, but I'm pretty yeah. sure Zelda is what pioneered that so like to see that again it's like oh yeah um, yeah, but no, I like the fishing. I, mean, I thought the fishing was a cool gimmicky side quest game. It's actually more fun to fish in that game than it is in games like Cult of the Lamb, even and mm. um, and and it's more complex than Animal Crossing fishing, although not as high stakes. I mean, remember, you know the feeling when you go to Animal Crossing, you see this massive shadow, and you're like, I better not yes. screw this up. <laughs> uh, but Link's Awakening was classic fun in fishing in a different way uh so i'm i'm with you there now from what i understand this is an overall broad question did you find link's awakening easier than the original or harder i think that the this remake is easier i think it just just because of everything they've done to try to help you 
um, the the way that you can even just deal with the map, you know. Um, they sure. added in a lot more items that you can get, like the secret seashells and uh, more checkpoints around the map to fast travel to and more heart pieces and things okay. like that. Okay, all right. Um, so I think it's inherently easier. Um, the writing that they pretty much kept intact, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if they changed very much of it, is where the obtuseness <laughs> comes in um, and doesn't help any. Um, but... I yeah I don't I don't see how you could say it's harder now. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Speaking of the writing, I I liked the characters. I liked these little yeah. side characters here and there. Um, well, that was my next question for you, Jared. Yeah. Was how you felt about the um, I guess just the personality of the game because that's where most people who love this game. Uh, will tell you why. Like that's that's where the, that's mm. why they'll tell you that this is their favorite. Like I don't know very many people who call this their favorite Zelda game. I know Video Game Donkey and then another game critic that I know, Brian Altano, say that this is their number one Zelda game, and it always comes down to the personality, mm. um, which comes across in the writing, comes across in obviously all the zany characters. There's so many ideas chock full in this little itty bitty Game Boy game that it is really praiseworthy. Like just the fact that they have a fishing mini game at all, you know, yeah. um, and the fact that they have all these other things going on at all. Um, so what did you think of the game's personality? It is pretty, it's pretty off the wall. <laughs> it's pretty trippy. <laughs> yes. Times. Yes, it is. And I, I felt that the, well, let me, let me make a, an observational comment. Like, when you think of, let me ask a question. When you think of Skyward Sword, you are largely thinking of Link on the bird flying, right? Like, like that's one of the yeah. first, right. When you think of yeah. Breath of the Wild, what images come to your mind? Just rattle off like five or six images that come to your mind when you think of Breath of the Wild. Um, climbing vistas, seeing Death Mountain out in the in the distance. Sure. Um, uh, the dragons popping up like that's like the the wonders of the world are really what i think of when i think yes. of breath of the wild yes and and i'm the same way and for whatever reason like breath of the wild gives me this vision of like the world itself is the personality and absolutely and i think that in contrast link's awakening they do an excellent job of making you feel like the island community itself and their desperation yes. not to be forgotten is the personality of this game. And the sunny, the sunny overworld composed as a, uh, compared to the, the dark dungeons and totally different, gives you a good contrast in, in world vibes, but it, it really shines through. When I think of snapshots of this game, I think of the sunny grasslands. I think of talking to Marin. I think of mm-hmm. uh, I think of some of the the bright blue waters. I think of the rafting game. I really enjoyed the rafting mini game. That was a lot of fun. And I think of like the northern regions of the map with all the desert and the caves. Like those are the snapshots that I that I think of. And these are all hot points where you meet characters and they tell you about their world and they tell you how they don't want to be forgotten. And you meet the fishermen and and again Marin and that little village of an, animal village as it's called literally. Like those things stand out in my mind, and I certainly see where critics and fans of the game say that that part of the game shines. Does yeah. that? So is that? Are you telling me that that's preserved from the original game, or or I'd is say it, so? 
Is it heightened I, in this in the new I think version? It is a little. I think it is a little more heightened. Um, they. I think that comes down to the graphics too. They're just like, uh, it's so it's so goofy, and there's a lot of yeah. humor in this game. Yes. Um, who's the guy? I, I, is it Taron? Is the one that looks like Mario? <laughs> like he's basically Mario without his hat. Um, and he pops up. He turns out he ends up. He's actually the like mysterious raccoon in the forest. Yes. Um, yeah, that's right. He yeah. had been like transformed by a mushroom or something and then um later you go and you see him like trying to get out of honeycomb and then the bees chase him off like there's just like funny little moments with him specifically where like it, it's humorous you know uh old man Ulrira like won't talk to you in person yes uh he's like uh i'm i'm nervous like yeah i was gonna say that earlier i love that about him that. yeah yeah um uh madam meow meow with all of her bow wows <laughs> like uh there's just yeah. like this there's a uh you got the alligator um who's like in love with bananas and um i don't know if you did this jared but if you leave the shop i remember doing this in the original if you go into where you can go and purchase like i think you can purchase bombs and and bows and arrows in the main village um if you don't pay for that stuff you can just go and grab it and just walk out um if you don't pay for it the shopkeeper will like become enraged and will chase you out and you will never be able to go into the shop again um and i remember first time i walk in there i wasn't even thinking about it i just went and like grabbed the bombs um and not in this version but in the previous one and i like there was no prompts to pay i didn't yeah, think twice yeah. about it i was like okay i got it it said i have them so i just went to walk out didn't even think to go and stop at the <laughs> at the counter which is what you do in real life and his like reaction like mortified me um <laughs> and and like that's just so interesting like that they even had something like a moment like that in this game mm-hmm. um you know the monkeys popping up uh Marin, obviously in her song like she's a very sweet character yes uh the owl and his his ho- hooting and popping up from time to time like that's i think you're right like when i think of this game i think of those characters yes um I think of the the crazy witch in the shop stirring her her potions. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think of the guy who's up on the mountain who's um, stuck and starving. Although is that Taryn again? No, <laughs> yeah. no, it's the it's um, the guy with like seventeen children. Oh yeah, and like all the kids running around, and like the kids are talking to each other in the camp, yeah. and or not the camp in the village, and sometimes even they're saying like mysterious stuff, and they're like, "Oh, I don't know, I'm just a kid," like as they yeah. say it, um, like stuff like that. Like it's just that's great. Like I love that. I love that, and that's mm-hmm. that's Zelda personality that not every game nails. Yes, um, but this one does. Yeah, I would agree. No, I think it's one of the strong suits of the game, um, and something that the little pieces of dialogue was something that I looked forward to. The trading sequence was fun for me because it got it. It got me a chance to like see that showcased. Um, and yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And while as long I as you do, know what you're doing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, yeah. right. Well, I did at that point. I was using a guide so regularly. I was like, oh, okay. You know, you gotta let me get ahead. I'm now. I can now go back and do six steps of the trading sequence because of where I am. So let me just go do that right. real quick. Um, and yeah, showcased. You know the the characters and and whatnot. As far as on a side note, using the trading sequence as a major part of the gameplay, I thought that that was kind of not good. I guess it's I suppose. Idea. Yeah, I, I don't. It wasn't at least, at least it wasn't executed super well. Yeah, but then poorly implemented idea. Yeah, it's also because like you have no reason to talk to these characters otherwise. 
you know and so it's like well at least at least i didn't find one not that i can remember back and think of so i don't know Mm -hmm. but but anyway yeah it well, and sometimes I, yeah. they're telling you something that comes becomes important with the trading sequence later, and you just weren't paying attention. You know? Sure, that's true. And you're like, oh, who needed a can of soup? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. to do with this thing? Right. <laughs> who did I talk to that said something about it? You know. So yeah, that's just yeah. a part of it. Did you know, Jared, that? Um, and this game is a dream, right? At the end of the day, that's what it ends up. The windfish is dream, and you're caught in it. And once you wake the windfish up, everything disappears, which is, of course, uh, emotional in its own right. Uh, did you know that because of the dreamlike state, um, this was actually inspired by Twin Peaks? I don't know if you know that 80s show, but it's a super bizarre, weird TV show. And the what the reason that the characters are all kind of weird and the reason that everything that's going on here is weird is because it's inspired by that, um, which I think is cool. Like, that's like a very niche uh, cult show, like with its own small following and um, for it to be inspired, inspire, having inspired a Zelda game is, is pretty fun. I did not um, know that. I did not know were that. Were you bothered that the game is a dream? No, no, I, I, it was, it, it became, um, I won't say apparent, but it was something along the lines of like, a character made a comment about this island is not what you think it is. And then someone else was like, as soon as the windfish awakens, we're all gone. I'm like, oh, so that, that kind of tipped me off a little bit to expect that at the very least, this island is some kind of, uh, apparition or something, or maybe links. I thought it was Link's dream, you know? Uh, or or, right. or is it, is it his or is it the windfishes? I don't remember. It's the windfishes, right? Sorry, pardon me. So so I was like, at least it's probably Link's dream that I'll I'll wake up from eventually. But but no, I and this is kind of like um, I enjoyed the fact that Zelda wasn't there almost. In, in yeah, in, again, my first introduction to the series is kind of going back to the start of the conversation, which is like. I'm going in, I'm expecting some great Zelda content, and then the namesake herself wasn't there, but it was still done in such a way that Marin and Taryn and the other villagers filled the gap. And from a story perspective and it and being in a dream, I just enjoyed it overall, the whole idea of it. It wasn't it wasn't as tacky as some dream games slash episodes have been before, which is, you okay. know, sometimes a story is like well, we're going to conveniently make this whole issue in someone's head so it doesn't count. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. But Twilight. no, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I, uh, sorry, I was making a Twilight reference because in the last movie, um, the whole epic battle that happens ends up being in someone's head. Um, oh, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it takes away the emotional distress of seeing your characters get wrecked. You know what I mean? Like your favorite people right. or whatever. Um, well, people... I guess that was part of the question was like, does that does that mean that it's just like the whole thing feels pointless, you know, because it was a dream. I know Karina was ticked when she found oh. out that the game was a dream. <laughs> she was oh. like, no, that makes it all worthless. Like that makes it like there's no impact to it now because it's all it, it's all just uh, it's not real. You know, it didn't actually happen. Maybe because the characters are sentient and Marin ends the game singing to you on the sea that I almost think that like, I like that they just add the, you know, the characters like, well, don't forget about us. So it's almost as if, you know what I mean? Like they're still, they're, they're changing you through their interactions with you. Um, As opposed to you, and this is kind of what it is, but I just want you to imagine the difference between 
in-depth characters who care and care about you and want to help you and are, are there to show off their personalities and they disappear and they've changed you in the meantime, as opposed to Breath of the Wild, which is very much an overland. If you conquer all of those dungeons, the rewards become yours. And all of a sudden that doesn't matter. Like there's a difference because Mm. there weren't really like side quests in this game as the, the claw game and the mini games. That's different. There weren't really like side quests in the game that would feel like a waste of time to call it all a dream. If that makes sense. Um, sure. I'm not really describing it super well, but I, I think no, I it, I, I get what you mean. It didn't bother me, but I could also see like in the general sense, when someone says something's a dream, it's all for naught that that bothers a lot of people. So I can understand Karina's reaction. Yeah, no, I like, it. I like that. That's a risky way of approaching the whole game. Um, and does make it very impactful at the end when you realize like, Oh, they're all gone. Like I, yeah. I did what I needed to to survive because otherwise I would have been stuck on this island for all of eternity. Mm-hmm. But everyone that I met and all these fun personalities and uh, the the moments with Marin and everything, all of that is gone and it will never come back. Um, which is what it's like waking up from a, a good dream, you know? Yeah, like there's, for sure. There's a tinge of, of yes. regret there, just a yes. little bit. But that's just a part of life. So that I liked true. that. I yeah, liked it a lot. That is true. All right, well, let's go ahead and make a decision here, Jared. Should Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening be in the Hall of Games? What do you think? Well, let me ask you a question. Should the original Link's Awakening be in the Hall of Games? Hmm. Yeah. And that, the, the, while you think about that, if, if the original shouldn't be, then I don't think this one should be. Just because, like, one, it's a remake, but two, as a remake, its original source material wasn't that incredible. Uh, You know, I would say that Dark Souls Remastered, you know, that we played, the the remake of the original, is still, it's not a distinct game, but it's, it, we decided to put it in the Hall of Games because you know, the original should go on the Hall of Games. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, no, I that's, get what you're saying. Right. So this game, it keeps enough of the source material, but if the original is not good enough, I say it, it shouldn't. And it, nothing against the game, but I know it's, one, disappointed a lot of people. Two, if if it's not your style to play retro games, this isn't for you, you know? Um, and so keep that in mind. And it's a, it's a remake, so we got to consider the original. And then three art style and animation can't carry a whole game. You do need to have some more gameplay and stuff. So I say no, but hey, listen, if you're going to surprise me with some crazy off-the-wall argument, I'll hear you out. (laughs) There's something about the the personality of the bizarre Zeldas that just stick out. Um, Link's Awakening is up there. Like Link's Awakening and Majora's Mask are like the two oddball Zeldas that have... Like, so much personality because they're so weird and different from everything else. Um, And I don't think the remake quite captures it on the same level. Like, honestly, I think, and I've mentioned this already, but I think the the graphics make it seem a little more kiddish and a lot less um, mysterious and, and weird. Um, it's still weird, but it's not, it's not quite on the same level. Um, so I almost feel like the original has a better shot than this does, but 
outside of that that very very strong personality and a lot of risky ideas that they took but with with the story uh, adding in uh, items and the fact that they were even able to get a whole Zelda game and this is a whole Zelda game onto the Game Boy at all like all of that's fantastic yeah um it's hard for me to say that out of every Zelda game, right, if we're if we're talking about the franchise at large, and we've done this with other franchises in the Hall of Games, like, which ones should go in to pay tribute for the rest, you know? Um, and it's hard for me to say that Link's Awakening should be that one. Um, there are others that, that do a similar thing, and they do it ever so slightly better, or they just have a little bit more... Um, of a impactful history to them that, you know, they, they just changed a lot more of the industry in different ways and things like that. Um, that this is one of those ones that yes, it's up there in quality. Like this is the dark souls three of the Zelda franchise where it's like, yes, it's doing something unique. It's doing something really cool, but what it's doing can be represented better by other titles. And so because of that, maybe it's not the one to be put in the hall of games. Sure. Um, so that would be my reasoning, although it does pay me to say, because at the same time, I think that this one just, I love, I love when Nintendo is willing to take risks and this one is, is all that, um, I just try something crazy and do something out of the box. Cause Nintendo, especially nowadays, they love to play it safe. Oh, they love to do it. But even the fact that they're willing to remake this game and do it so faithfully, um, shows that even they cared about it and, and saw something special about it. Um, but that being said, I think I as well will pass on it and say it's not in the hall of games. Yeah. Um, which is, which is a painful thing to say, but nonetheless, I think we have to, we have to protect the sanctity of the hall on some level. Uh, can't just let every Zelda game in. Sorry. Like, just like we can't let every Dark Souls game in or every, you know what I mean? Like, there, yeah, there, exactly. There has to be, it, it didn't do anything unique. Out. It's not like it revivified interest in the Legend of Zelda series like Breath of the Wild did. You know what I mean? It didn't right. break new ground. It didn't, it didn't really even turn heads. You know what I mean? It's just something to enjoy for Zelda fans, um, a, a faithful reimagining uh, somewhat distinct and still loaded with charm uh, version of Link's Awakening brought to the modern yeah. era. So, yeah. Yep. If you love Zelda, go get this game. Yes. It's one of the yes. best ones. If you like dungeon crawlers, um, if you're willing to put up with some of the old schoolness and willing to use a guide, like I highly recommend it. Um, but we're going to pass it for the Hall of Games. All right. Um, let's go ahead and wrap up then. Be sure to, as our final notes are concerned, uh, be sure to tell a friend about the podcast. We have to make that recommendation. Drop us a five-star review. Got to say that as well. Uh, check out our past episodes for more backlog in-depth conversations. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you agree with our decision. I know a lot of people wouldn't. Um, people might be on the other side of this even years from now, just wanting to strangle us (laughs) uh, for making the decision that we did, but that happens from time to time. Um, so if you don't tell us why, ask BGB at gmail.com. Until then, this is the Video Game Bard signing off.
Thank you.